Hello, it's a new year, it's a new dawn, and a new day. Aw, oh, look how cute you are. This is Address Unknown, episode 11. Thanks for listening. In this episode, we are going to discuss our final two and a half weeks in Australia on the West Coast. So here we go, buckle up. episode 11 let's dive in but quickly before we do i'm just going to say that we are in the jungle in indonesia that is to come and there is a karaoke party happening next door so we're gonna have a little bit more of a soundtrack throughout this episode than we had planned for but that's life on the road we'll get through it yeah you know, it, it might be kind of nice. Nice background music. Some some frogs, some insects, nature. All right. So we flew from Sydney to Perth, which is about a five-hour flight. Basically the same distance from New York to L.A. We had just dropped Wanda off the day before. We had a quick night in a hotel by the airport. And then we headed directly upon landing in Perth to pick up our next van. We're going to call him Petey. He had a much more regal, right? Don't you think? Sounding name than that. But he does not deserve it. Spoiler alert. Uh, the day before we picked up Petey, I received an unsettling message um, from the owner saying that there was a warning indicator on the dashboard. But rather than cancel our reservation, I could just ignore it and he would have it fixed when we returned. Little did I know that there would be no way in hell I could ignore this sensor. The person who had rented PD before has had damaged the sliding door somehow. And so when driving PD, uh, he thought the sliding door was open, even though it was not. Uh, so it would be beeping this warning at me I would say probably 75 to 85 percent of the time mm-hmm. it didn't really make sense like when it would go off when it wouldn't sometimes around different types of curves sometimes when the wind would fluctuate it was not like a check engine light that you could be like okay something a timing belt is about to go or something like that it was not that simple it was a door open or a door jar image that came up on the dashboard and told you the door is open. Yeah. The, the whole time. The main sliding door. Yeah. So we, we got outside of Perth and this quickly became very apparent, but we drove two hours to our first stop in this tiny, tiny town called Brookton to just spend a night. It was just a stopover place. The town had a hotel pub, as they all do, no matter the size, basically, right? And an IGA. That's it. There was nothing else there. There were some public restrooms. I think there were some shops that maybe looked like sometimes they were open, but they weren't open when we were there. Just to be clear, IGA for those, because some people may not know what they are. They're, they're a chain of grocery stores, but they're sort of like, they sort of gouge you because they tend to be in small towns. I'm getting you... into that. Okay. Okay, move on. Australia basically has four grocery stores. We have ranked ours. This is our this is our personal ranking system of the grocery stores yeah, in Australia. The PRS, personal ranking system for yeah. grocery stores. There you go. Yep, yep. Our favorite being Woolsworth, 
or Woolies, right? Woolies, as everyone calls it. Kohl's is second, not to be confused with the Kohl's clothing store in the United States. This is a Kohl's grocery store, followed by Aldi, which again is very different than the United States. This is like a, a true grocery store. It just does tend to have a little bit more of kind of like a Costco vibe where you can get some clothes and home good things a little bit more than a Woolies or a Kohl's would have. Yeah, yeah. The, the Aldi in the United States tends to be... And more discount. Discounted and sort of like... Um, expiry Close stuff? expiry dates or yeah. overstock of items that were not yes. wanted type of thing. Yeah, and that's not how Aldi is at yeah. all in Australia. And the last and worst and always the most expensive is IGA. Because for the most part, IGAs, we think, are franchises. Um, That means they're usually in these small towns. They could be in big towns too, but they're usually in these towns where there's no other option. So they jack up the prices. So horrible selection, extremely high prices, but you don't have any other choice. Yeah, so we got stuck at an IGA in Brooklyn, but you have to. In the the way you're in the van, you kind of have to catch as catch can with groceries because you don't know when the next grocery store will come. So Especially you, you in West Australia. Try and stock up the best you can. <laughs> um, the next day, we headed out of Brookton and we made our way off to Wave Rock, which is another two-hour drive. Yep, beady, beeping the whole time. Just just a great little ambiance in the background. So we, as we're driving, we're talking about the holiday park we're going to go to. And, and we have this in mind. We know what the name is. It has a pool, and, and this is in the desert, to be honest. So we were really mm-hmm. excited about this situation. We didn't want another Mungo repeat, right? Right, mm-hmm. right. We we get to the park, and I go in, give them the name, and they're like, nope, it's not under Barber. And I was like, let's try Reed. And they're like, nope, it's not under Reed. And this is also, people in front of you had been walking in and being like, do you have any availability? And they were like, no, we're totally booked. So, so, so I'm sitting there, I was like, let me go get the confirmation number on my phone. So I go back to PD, meet Jenica, explain the situation, come back into the reception office. Nope, nope, we're not in the right park. Mm-hmm. And so we go say, okay, we looked at the itinerary, great, we're in the wrong place, no problem. We'll just go on our phone and get that email that gives us the, the right camper van park. Yeah. Well, you are in Wave Rock, Australia. So there is no internet. No service whatsoever. Whatsoever. So the, the email doesn't work. That shows which campsite we're supposed to be at. Mm-hmm. But you have a phone number. Yep. So we could go ask these people, and we started asking locals, like, we need to use a public phone, how should we do this? Well, one of the emails had said, like, go to the hotel in town, and they have a public That's phone. Right. So we went there, and we're like, you have a public phone, right? And she's like, no, no, we don't. But there is one across the street. And it was literally across the street, but bless her heart, she got out a map and drew a line and circled it. And I was like, so it's that one right there. You could see it. You could see it from from the main office of the hotel. She was very sweet. We have more interactions with her later, but that to come. So we, the the best part about this public phone system that we found out, like it is a phone booth, like they used to have in the US and still have in London. Where where are their public phones anymore? Pay phones. Pay phones. Pay phones. So like this, the company that does all the telecom for Australia, they have allowed these telephone booths to remain in place. I think they're necessary because there's no service in so many places in this country. And they're free to call throughout the country wherever you want. So what did we do? We called the caravan park for free. Didn't put a single coin in. Nope. Didn't think they were going to pick up. It rang forever, but finally got patched through. It was like like somebody who 
been on call and you they just passed the phone number yeah. on to like whoever's at home so the phone was like watching tv oh yeah it was like so loud making dinner or I something could, i could barely hear her i was like i just can't i don't know what site i'm in and she told me she's like it's site five and we're like okay great so we drove yeah we made our way back on the road we got to the, the, the correct part um which was actually really nice it was it was very primitive but the camping sites were massive like a half acre piece like yeah, they were, they were far away from everybody um they had flushable toilets which was nice yep they were all new yep they did have running water mm-hmm. so it was an upgrade from a national park it was an upgrade from mungo yes i'll give it that yes it was it still was very primitive it was still hot um with no shade cover and yeah but we didn't have a pool and we thought we'd have a have a pool i yeah. think that's where that's where my baseline was is i was like imagining pool times and then no desert times again we made it through we did we made it through night one we did no we did we're there for two days so yep. the next day we got up early we made our way to wave rock uh it's a rock formation that looks like a surf wave mm-hmm. this formation came to be where it has extrations of different sediments in it so it's like at black lines and there's white lines and there's sandstone like brown lines and people do these pictures standing on it like you're surfing. I mean, we didn't do that. We did not. We did not. But the rock itself, it's very cool. It's like 45 feet high. It's 360 feet long. If you're ever in West Australia, it seems to be an Instagram place to go. It was formed 2,700 million years ago. So it's been there a long time. Uh, most people drive to Wave Rock, they park in the group parking space get out of their car, they walk to the wave, it takes some photos, and they leave. Yeah, that's all they do. But we decided, listen, we're out here for two days. One of these is good. What else are we going to do? One, yeah, what else, one, <laughs> one of them is occupied by the wave rock, so let's do some hikes. There are actually hiking trails out of the same spe- out of the same park where mm-hmm. the wave rock is. We had a great time. We got up on top of the rock. We went out to this outcropping called Hippo's Yawn, which looks like a large hippo's mouth. Another rock we'll formation. We'll post pictures. Yep. It's kind of cute. And we made it there before the throngs of people came, so we were the only ones there for a very short time. Yeah, we passed a bunch of dried up salt lakes, walking mm-hmm. on these boardwalks, these elevated boardwalks over the lakes. Very cool. There was no one there. I don't think we were supposed to be on that path, but we did it anyway. Who cares? After that, we did a short drive over to the Humps, which is another hiking trail. Huge rock formation, huge space. You could get up to the top of this peak, and there was for miles. Yeah. Hundreds of miles. There's all grain fields. Yeah. Forever and ever and ever. We're still in the grain belt slightly. You don't see any people. You don't see any farms. You just see these fields. And we were very high up, which freaked me out. I was yeah. I didn't didn't love that aspect of it, but it was a beautiful view. But you know, walking all of these trails and doing these hikes in the desert, we were hungry, so we're like, it's time for lunch. Mm-hmm. So we we made lunch in the vans before, no big deal. We knew we were getting into. Yeah, you sit in the parking lot. You just make your lunch. You eat it there. That's what the vans for. Yeah. So we 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 roll up to PD, unlock the doors. I grab the handle on the side of the door. Hmm. The door won't open. Nope. Nothing. Nope. The malfunctioning door sensor door now will not open. So we now had a sliding door, which is your main point of entry, that does not open. Mm-hmm. We had a beeping alarm sound going off when driving. So we drove back into town we called campify which is the company we rented the van through yep and they said they were going to have someone out to the campsite in two to four hours this was midday so we were like okay that's reasonable maybe by five o'clock tonight someone will be here 
But we were so disappointed because we had planned to go to, there was a community pool. And mm-hmm. we're like, all right, we're going to get our pool times. Because it was a hot day. It was very, very hot. But we had to drive back to the hotel with the woman who gave us the map to find the payphone. The free payphone. Yeah, and be like, can we please use your Wi-Fi? Because we have to find the support number and figure out how to contact them. She was very nice and lovely and let us sit there and use the Wi-Fi to find the numbers to try to call Campify, which we did again from the payphone, free of charge, um, to only go sit back and wait. Two to four hours. And of course, no one shows up. No one showed up. Nope. A lot of fun. It was a lot of uh, waiting around. Flies. Yeah, and and still the door on PD would not open. Nope, nope. So for a whole day, we had to climb in and out of either the back doors or through the front seats while we were cooking. When we had to go to the bathroom, it was it was lovely, lovely. Twelve hours, PD. But because we did have two nights in Rave Rock, we enjoyed ourselves the best we could. Yep. The next day we got up and continued on to Hopeton. Hope Town. Hope Town. Spelled Hopeton, but no big deal. Hope Town. Three hours away, we had five nights in Hopeton because we mentioned previous episode, everything was booked. Holidays come up, summer break, school gets out, all the holiday parks fill. Everything was booked up. So instead of going to the town of Esperance, which we really wanted to go to, mm-hmm. we were in Hopeton. Hope Town. Yeah, Hopeton. <laughs> best part about the holiday park in Hopeton is that it was right on the beach, and we were hoping for some chill days to enjoy. We was going to be there over the New Year, so we thought, let's bring you five nights. Beaches, and the beaches were beautiful, right? So that's where we're like, okay, we're not going to be in as big of a town, but the beaches still look amazing, so we'll have our beach times. Five beautiful days in Hopetown, probably two to three hours of warm, sunny weather the entire time. Yep. Mm-hmm. For New Year's Eve, we ended up going down to the only restaurant that was open this was the town pub which is in the hotel in yep. Hopeton like we said in every town had our dinner went into the bar had some drinks oh and by 10 30 we were back in the van sleeping <laughs> there's just nothing to do everyone also in the park was sleeping we kind of were hoping that people might be up like partying but no that was not the case no. so no we were sleeping for our Australia New Year's but our New Year's Day we got to talk to Charlie and Courtney because they were on vacation in the Bahamas. So that was super fun. It was kind of raining and overcast and gross for us. But while we were talking to them, it hit midnight on the clock in the Bahamas. So we were up for at least one New Year's, right? Yeah. In the be, world. And to be positive, you know, one positive thing here, it was one of the first New Year's in a long time where we didn't wake up on New Year's Day with a headache. Yeah, super hungover. We were, we were sleeping early, yep. so no bigs. Yep, we were, we were very good. Super fun to bring it in with some friends in a very different way. Just, you know, just 12 hours after our actual New Year's. We're spending some time here. We started to notice some some differences between Eastern and Western Australia. Uh, In the West, no one really cares where we're from. No one asked us. I mean, it's obvious everyone is Australian for the most part. There's the random European here and there, but I will say that we didn't come across any Canadians or any other Americans, but no one cares. No one's asking you. No one says hi or good morning. I got shut down so many times. Normally you're walking to the toilet in the morning and you're walking past people and you say good morning and everyone's good morning back. No, that that did not happen at all in West Australia. 
And also, these people are serious about what they bring with them to these holiday parks. They have these insane setups. Not only do they have their pull-behinds, they have a massive tent that is set up on top of and beside the pull-behind. They have sinks, they have bars, they have TVs, they bring bikes, they have boogie boards, boats, paddle boards, like, you name it, they have it. They are really into their gear, like outside camping, so adventure much gear. Stuff. So much stuff. We've seen them try to pack this up, and it takes five hours to unpack and to repack. It's literally like you're moving. Yeah, I think that a lot of it's like um, sort of like street credibility. Like whoever has the most gear, like whoever has the most paddle boards is like looking hardcore. And a lot of times the kayaks, the paddle boards, etc., don't necessarily get used. No, but they, they just sit there. Them, they bring them, they set it up, they put them next to the campsite. The bikes stay locked up, yep. but you know what? They're there. If we ever might want to use them, yeah. there they are. Yeah. After five days in Hopetown, we continued on to Albany for four nights. Albany is a decent-sized town. Yeah, Albany was the first colony in West Australia. Mm-hmm. So when the Brits first came over after going to the East Coast and you know finding what was Botany Bay and Sydney and all that stuff, they came over to the West Coast. Yep. So it has a lot of history. It also has a number of restaurants, bars, shops. So one of the first days we drove out to Misery Beach. Uh, horrible name. Don't be misled by that. Well, it has a horrible past. That's why it's called that. Because they used to whale off this beach. And all of the carcasses from the whales and the blood and everything would wash up on this beach. And then there was a lot of sharks there. So it was called Misery Beach. But now there's no more whaling. Yay! And it's last year been voted the best beach in Australia. So you go to Misery Beach. You just wait a while and the blood goes out <laughs> in the ocean and it turns into a beautiful beach. Wash your sins away. Um, it was really beautiful, surrounded by all these steep rock walls. The water was perfectly turquoise and clear. It was pretty calm as well. I think you, you could go in. It was pretty chilly. You went in. I did. Yeah. It was, it was like, you know, it was the, cold. the sand was the perfect white. Yeah. Sort of squeaky. 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 Think, uh, it was awesome. Yeah, it was nice. It was sunny for a little bit. We also paid a visit to the historic Albany Gowl. Gowl is jail they have these all over courtney and i visited one in ireland this is much smaller than that but this is the original jail in west australia and it was actually built by the prisoners which was kind of interesting so they had a lot of background on the original prisoners and why they were there how long their sentence was for um you know you could deal a horse or murder a person and get life in prison same same term so that was interesting to learn a little bit different nowadays um but you walk through this place and it was so weird it was kind of like your worst nightmare and they actually do do after dark tours so they had all these creepy mannequins in random cells and some of them literally were Halloween masks. They were so for busted. Face. They were like paper mache. Oh my gosh. And like fake fake like mustaches. They were just horrible. But you you peek in and I would like almost scream because they were so terrifying and so shoddy, but that's what made them terrifying. You made, me think, made me think of like, you know, when you go to Alcatraz and they're like, This is the masks of what the of the mannequins that like the three escapees made and it's like human hair you know as a mustache and like <laughs> shitty painted 
paper mache mag face. That's what it looked like. Oh, that was better than these even. Come on, <laughs> you're giving them too much credit. Anyway, we had dinner one evening in town at this lovely restaurant called Liberty. And it was insanely good. It was weird. It was a weird setup. We sat on a couch, but the food was incredible. And we had not eaten out at a restaurant that wasn't in a hotel pub in a very long time. So we were super excited. Great cocktails. And that night, we were super stoked to find out that there was a cover band playing in town called The Numbats. Not to be confused with Wombats Crossing that we saw in Katoomba. There's a theme here, obviously. People like to name their bands after Wombats. But they weren't great. Uh, But again... We haven't seen live music in probably two months. These guys were... Immature at best, and we were like, this is awesome. Yeah, we got into it. This is awesome. We just to be out and see a show, have some good food, have some cocktails. We were... We were dancing that night. We had a good time. We were so excited. We were in heaven. After Albany, we were then on to our final stop in this problematic van called PD. And this this drive was a haul. This is the longest haul that we have done uh, in either Wanda or PD. We had seven hours to drive to Bustleton for our last two nights before driving back to Perth and dropping the bad sun off. But before we get into our final days in PD, let's take a quick break. Episode 11. As Jonica was saying just before we took a break, we were making our way seven hours to from Albany to Bustleton. This was going to be our last stop before dropping off the van of problems. Mm-hmm. Along the way, we stopped at the Valley of the Giants. I had done some research online and thought this is going to be a great outdoor experience uh, to be up in the tree canopy. It was a sort of a cantilevered metal walkway that went through a eucalyptus jungle and you start off at ground level and over time you walk on these catwalks and they elevate all the way up to the top of the tree line. I have no idea how I convinced Jonica to do this other than to tell her that it was like a really safe adventure up in the trees but I saw pictures of it but I'm gonna say and I was like okay yeah I'll, I'll do it but I hated every single second of it I almost threw up multiple times. I was gagging. I was like, I was nauseous. I cried. I could not move. I have a severe fear of heights. And so at one point I wasn't moving, but then, oh, I hear children behind me. And and this thing is swaying. And I'm like, these kids are going to make this thing swing even more on purpose. So then that got my ass in gear to actually keep moving because that would have been even worse. Um... But let's be real. You were scared, too. You didn't let on because you wanted to keep me going. But, like, it was... It, it didn't feel the safest. So, for, for a visual of this thing, it's basically, like, I'd say a three-foot-wide walkway. And it's metal you can see through. So, it's like it's, you can literally see the ground below mm-hmm. you. You can see all around, like, where the trees are. Um, and then there's handrails, one on each side. And, and 
at its highest point as this thing makes its elevation up the ascent, you get to the, the peak, which is going to be a 40-meter platform. And it's this, like, circular platform, That's 40 meters. very high. That's very, very high. The thing is swinging. Because, yeah. Because, like, it, it is stable. It is inspected daily. But it's daily. metal. So it feels like it shouldn't sway. Like, that's all I kept saying. I was like, this it doesn't feel like it should be moving. It's, it's and not, the wind would pick up, and then it would move even more. Yeah, it's not like it's on cables. Like, no. it was on these, like, metal That would make me understand pieces. more. But, like, uh-uh. Regardless, no. it was... It was awesome. It um, wasn't awesome. It was horrible. It was scary, but it was a really cool vantage point. I will say that much. And Jonica made it through. I'm very I, proud of you. I did make it through. You were I so almost sweaty. I almost threw up. I was sweating like crazy. I cried. Yeah. And and I paid to do this. That's the other thing. And the best part is oh, yeah, yeah, we like yeah. start the thing and she's like, You can walk it as many times as you want. And we got through and I was like, Are you joking? Like you couldn't pay me. Yeah, I was like, you, you, you should pay me to walk this. Yes. After Jonica put her stomach back in place, wiped the tears from her face, and dried the sweat from her forehead, we continued on to Bustleton. I continued driving a very long time. In Bustleton, the holiday park was massive, but it was also packed. So because it was the holidays and the kids were out of school, you were right on top of each other. You opened your sliding door, and there was a man with no shirt on, grilling meats. Bacon. Or what they call bacon. But the benefits of the park were that it was very close to the beach. You could walk there easily, like, three minutes. It was a beautiful beach. Turquoise. Fine white sand. It was warm. It was sunny. It was the beach we had been, like, thinking of in our mind for eight weeks. Yep. It was perfect. It reminded me of our actual very first stop. Remember that in Bully? Yes. It in really reminded... Like, Bully was, like, an incredible beach. I don't know. We could go swimming in that water. This water was much better. This water was very warm. Yeah. Yep. Very warm. Crystal clear. Like, glass. Very smooth. Like, safe. Safe to get in. So, full circle. We've mm-hmm. gone from the first first holiday park to the last. Yep. After the two nights we had in Bustleton... We got back in perfect PD. Problematic and, PD. And we drove our two and a half hours back up to Perth to drop him off. Because we had just spent almost eight weeks in the van, we decided to splurge on a room at the Intercontinental for a couple of nights in Perth. It took us some convincing. Like, let's be real. You you weren't sold right away, but come on. You agree. Like, this hotel was so nice. The staff was incredible. I got called Ms. Reed every single time I went in and out the door. They just didn't acknowledge you, which made me happy. Uh, That's not true. When we got in the room, there was a card that said, Welcome, Mr. Reed. Well, are you Mr. Reed? Mm, I'm staying at the Intercontinental, I will be. (laughs) There was an amazing gym. There were Pyrado products, robes, everything I felt that I deserved after driving around Australia for eight weeks. We had stayed in the the central business district for the entire time we were there while in Perth. Um, Jonica had chance to get her nails done hell yeah i did we ran some errands much needed errands you need like uniglo underwear you <laughs> need to do things that you can only do in these big cities life things yes. yeah so we ran our errands we also walked up and around king's park which oversees the entire town of perth mm-hmm. visited the botanical garden 
We ended up having an amazing dinner at Balthazar. Oh my god, it was so good. Janica got dressed up, put some makeup on. You got dressed up too. We looked nice. It was like we remembered what it was like to, to look cute again. On our final day in the city, we did a cruise of the Swan River. So for those in New York City, this is very similar to the Circle Line. Mm -hmm. There's historical facts that are spewed out by a man in the microphone with some bad dad jokes, things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But great tour. I would highly suggest that. Overall, we did enjoy Perth, right? Yeah. It was a nice city. But after being in the van and being in Australia for almost three months, we were ready to move on to the next country, Indonesia. Yeah, where we are now. Right where we, that's correct. Mm -hmm. So, before we get into our love and our learn for Australia, let us take a very quick break and we'll be right back. Okay, I want to approach this last Australia love and learn a bit differently. But before we do, we had a question from Rich. Hey, Rich. Um, How do we pick our theme music and where did we source it from? We had a recommendation from my friend Katie, KP. What's up? She also has a podcast called Just Me Okay, which is great. Check it out. Check Check it out. Check it out on the RSS feeds. Yep. So she had recommended we go to Premium Beats, stock music site. And I think we probably listened to over 50 to 75 tracks before we narrowed in on a couple that we both liked and finally landed on About Time. So we purchased the rights to use the track for this podcast. Other people, shows, etc., can still purchase and use this track as well. Uh, there are just so many bad tracks out there when you go to the stock music land uh, that it's hard to find one that we both liked and hopefully it's not driving people nuts but thanks for the question rich keep them coming guys like we we want to answer your questions all right i want to do this in two different ways two different themes for our last australia love and learn first is van life or just the van Farber, what is your van love? So this is this is probably obvious to most, but um, I think the simple mobility of four wheels and a home on the road is is my love. So the the ease of which you can literally fold up the camping chairs, fold up the table, roll up the awning, stabilize your personal things so they don't tip over when you're driving, which we learned after having it happen a few mm-hmm. times. Then just drive to another city or another state. It just feels very liberating. And you go into these campsites or a holiday park in our case, and they're really excited because you don't know what you're going to experience when you drive in. You don't know what the layout's going to be, who's going to be there. So it's like a new town every single time you roll in. Yeah, it's like a town within a town. Yeah, but listen, let's be honest. You have to go a while to experience these different physical environments in Australia because it's so vast. But the van provides that ability to just like get up and go at a moment's notice. And, and I just like it. It's, it's kind of like just like, like a mobile home, for lack of better words. It literally is. Okay. But that's why two and a half months can be tough. Or eight weeks is tough in a van, my dear. <laughs> All 
All right, what's your van learn? Oh, geez. Okay. I said it before, but I will say it once again. We are not van people in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Unless you disagree. No, not at all. I wish you were. Um, this is not to take away from, you know, that lifestyle. And I, I will admit that we could possibly have been van people or lived the van life when we were younger. Mm-hmm. And we were, you know, more flexible, less set in our ways, less in a routine. Yeah. For one, you do have to share a bathroom and a shower with other families and adults, right? Um, it's sort of like college dorm life. You bring your like little caddy of shampoos and soaps and everything to the bathroom. Um, this also like creates its own hygienic conundrums, at least for me. Oh, 100%. It'll, you have to wear flip-flops. Yeah, yeah it, that's the other thing. So like, there's also some judgment involved because there's a new decorum that's established in a Holiday Park bathroom. And there's other adults. Yes, as Jonica said, you're all wearing flip-flops as you shower. In my case, I heard men just making vulgar, like, sounds. And I mean this, like, in the morning, expelling from inside. Or, like, you go to brush your teeth and you have to hear the sounds of other people doing bodily things. Okay? That's just... In my case, uh, Australia seems very backwards. I'm just going to make this generalization. In that the women outside of major cities are the, the people that take care of the children the men seem like they're working so that's what they're doing yeah, and they're the, women, busy. the, busy, the women are taking care of the kids eat a sandwich so in my showers i just had screaming children non-stop there was not a peaceful shower had i will say in eight weeks so you pick your dose do you want children screaming if you're trying to shower or bodily noises yeah pause on that um <laughs> So, aside from, like, the typical, like, hair clippings and shavings like that and toothpaste that you find, like, in a sink that is used by several people, the plumbing in these places is usually not inadequate, but, like, the drains are always clogged. Like, it always takes a while. Some are good, some are bad, some have a good water pressure, some don't. Like, you just never know what you're going to get. Yeah, and again, with that, they're not always cleaned on a routine basis. No. Right? So, you kind of, you don't know what you're going to get into. So, again... I think during my backpacking days, pre-Jonica, let's say, uh, I would not have been upset by this situation. And, and I would not have, you know, second-guessed the lifestyle. Um, I would have kind of chalked it up to a new experience or a cohabitating situation. Mm-hmm. But 42 years old, no way. No way. Not anymore. I want my own commode. I want my own shower. Mm-hmm. So that is my learn. Mm-hmm. So, Jonica, <laughs> let's get into your love of the van, or van life. All right. Road trips and holiday parks are such a big part of Australia's culture, right? Like, we kind of knew this, obviously, when booking the van and knowing that we needed to book out, like, well in advance. Um, But it truly is. Like, you drive around these cities. Everybody outside of their houses has, like, their rig, right? Like, they have their pull behind. Like, this is a thing that this country is into, Um, So it was fun to get to experience this in a very real way. You become a part of this community. You're driving down the road, right? Like you saw this. It was mostly in West Australia. This is like for the one thing that like they were nice about. But you're driving down the road and you, you all wave at each other. If you have any sort of van or pull behind or camper or anything, you all wave to each other. And it's kind of like you do in the States when like you have a motorcycle and especially like Harley Davidson's, like you have your certain signal that you do because you're, you become a part of this club. And I kind of, I liked being a part of the club and getting like a 
insiders peek into that culture. Cute. All right. And then what would be your van or your van life learn for this experience? Not all vans are created equal. I'll caveat this. Outside of the beeping with Petey, I will not bring this in the conversation because I feel like that was a one-off thing, right? There were things that we liked and disliked about each van. They were the exact same make and model of van, but the build-outs were extremely different. And the interesting thing is that each of the things that we liked and disliked about each of the vans, like you couldn't put the likes together from the two vans because it just wouldn't fit. Right. There was no hybrid of these two. No. You cannot have an indoor sink and a two burner stove like Petey had and still have the seating area that I loved about Wanda. While the shelving around the bed in Petey was great, it made the bed way too short for either of us. And neither of us are tall people, so that says a lot. And so we had horrible sleep in Petey. Wanda had more windows, which we liked. Wanda was newer, but it felt like Petey, without the beeping, drove better. For the, for the most part, I think showers are a waste. You don't need a shower in a van. But we love a rooftop platform. So we are not van people. We're not going to make vans. We're not going to... Maybe we'll make vans someday. It'll be very business. I know. Okay, we're not going to be van people ourselves. We're not going to live in a van. So, so our, your business model is to say we build these and rent them to people, but we don't like them? Uh, no, I think, like, here's the deal. If we had gone out for, we did 10 days before, right? And we loved it. If we had done two weeks, maybe uh, even three weeks, mm-hmm. if it hadn't been such a long time, I, agree with you. I think that we would love it. We could never live in a van. I, I would never say that. But I think we could be in a van for shorter periods of time on more spread out basis. I agree with you on that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So my overall learn is that eight weeks, like I was saying, in a van is too, too long. But we could do a van again. Do you agree? Yeah. Or you're not there yet? No, no, I, I am. I'm, I'm agreeing with you now that we've had some time to digest it. Five days. <laughs> Okay, now Australia, overall, now that we've left after almost three months, what is your love? I think for for the love of Australia, and listen, there's, there's good, there's bad, like anywhere, but fundamentally in Australia, the natural beauty of the country is, um, is really incredible. Mm-hmm. And, and I get that, granted, we did drive... The coast for specific reason that's why we did our, our itinerary that way so we could see all of the like sea life but we also drove inland on our return trips to allow us to see what life was like off the water the country is so big it's vast swaths of nothing but desert which also offer their own real like type of isolated beauty so I know a lot of times you were sleeping I would get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and the skies at night, in the middle of the night in these places, because they're deprived of light pollution, are just amazing. Like you see, I wouldn't say deprived. Like, they're given the gift of not having light, light pollution. Go. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's the better way of mm-hmm. phrasing it. Mm-hmm. You see constellations that we've never seen before mm-hmm. living in a city. Yep. Um, the, the plant life in these places, both coastal and inland, is super terrestrial. The, the, 
um, the blue water is come crashing up along limestone cliffs and it kind of gives you pause. And there's these birds that are different to each place and they, you, they wake you up in the morning and you're annoyed, but then you're like, this is beautiful. I've never heard these birds. I've never seen these birds. And you'll probably maybe never see them again because they're only on the continent of Australia. And let's, let's be honest. Um, Jonathan and I have talked about birding a lot during the, I would the episode. totally be a birder in Australia. All of a sudden we're kind of maybe thinking about we could have been birders. In Australia. Yeah. I don't know about anywhere else. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Everywhere you go, there's eucalyptus trees of like all the varying species. It smells species. so good. Yeah, it smells good. They, they look different. Some are thick and like some are skinny and tall and you know, all the variations. And what happens is as you're driving and, and we were going like, you know, hundreds of miles, the, the, the forests change and they're still all eucalyptus trees, but they're different species of eucalyptus trees. So it, it, the whole visual is incredible that happens when you're on the road. Um, the, you know, as we mentioned at length, um, these environmental landscapes are a significant distance from one another. So I think overall my love is like the geographic, geographic beauty of the place. All right, and what's your learn for Australia? Okay, my learn for the country and its entirety is that there is a lot to cover geographically. Mm-hmm. And unless you have the time, it's hard to see all of these sites that we mentioned. And I love that you say that because we had three months. I, I'm just saying, it takes a long time to get yeah. anywhere. So most people that we met um, had never been to one coast if they lived on the other. So like we met people in Sydney who had never been to Perth and vice versa. And we were talking to people at one time in Perth um, about where we had been in Australia. And they were like, you've seen more of the country than we have. So it's interesting that for a place that's similar size to the U.S., where you're going a distance from literally L.A. to New York, you would choose not to go see that part of your own country. The center is filled with vast nothingness. We all get that. Um, but that may be the reasoning why people don't go from point A to point B. I don't know. You have plenty of people in the U.S. that call the middle of the U.S. the flyover states, which stuff. we strongly disagree with. Right, there's stuff to see. But, yeah. So, and, and I just want to preface this final learn here. Um, it's a second learn. I'll just say that I threw one. Mm. Um, that by saying, like, we know historically in the United States there is a very troublesome past as it relates to Native Americans. Native Americans, right? And mm-hmm. we know from reading history books, and if you continue to learn about that, the, the history, that it's very negative, and we were extremely oppressive to these people. We didn't do a good job. We're still not doing a good job. That's right. And uh, un, you know, not unlike Australia, they have a similar problem as it relates to the indigenous people and or the First Nations people of Australia. Mm-hmm. And what, what I found very interesting is that when we were in the country, people would talk about, especially before we take tours, and they'd say, we just want to acknowledge the First Nations people and the original landowners of this region, this, this region. place, yeah. But then they didn't do shit to take any action. There was nothing else that occurred. It was lip service. They just, and it was, it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. It was on tour buses. Vi- videos, on tours, literally everywhere. Signs when you're going through parks, every single place. Yeah, and so, so one thing I do want to bring up, and I, I think I talked about it previously, was there's a book by Bill Bryson called In a Sunburnt Country. It's from 2001, okay? And the final page of this book, he literally says, like, I, I hear what you guys are saying about the First Nations people and the efforts you're taking. I just 
you need to do more. And I would agree with that. That is really the takeaway that I have from this subject matter is that more should be done than just saying we acknowledge the first people who lived here and, and, and managed this land. Which I could add, we don't even say that. We don't even like Absolutely. do the lip service. Absolutely so true. are we even worse? That's, that's a good that's point. A, that's a whole other. It's not an episode we're going to get into. That's a yeah. That's yeah. That's that's deep. Also, then, uh, as we discussed in the first episode, I think there are a lot. The Australia is a lot like the United States in that, on the coast, you have your your liberals or your sort of. Let's say on the coast. Hmm. Okay, you have your liberals. Um, in the center, you have more of your sort of Republican, Christian fundamentalist, sort of libertarian mindset, whatever you want to call it. Cowboys. That's kind of in the center. So that may lead to the sentiment of, of First Nations people is, is because you really don't have that much interest except from these metropolitan areas. Other than that, I thought the food would be better, but that's just me. <laughs> that's what you're ending with. You thought the food would be better? That's your that's your end statement. Well, that's your mic drop. That's my learn from oh. Australia. Okay. And Jonica, let me hear your Australia love. All right, I feel like there's going to be a lot of overlap between our our love and learns, but I'll get into it. Because um, I also love that we got to see so much of this country, because it is so far away from the United States. So who knows when if we'll ever be back here. There are, like you said, so many people that we met, Australians, who said that that we were seeing more of the country than they had ever seen. That's what we wanted to do, though. We wanted to make the most of our time, the 90 days, right, that we are allowed to stay in the country and, and see as much as we could. And I think that we did that. We visited every state except for the Northern Territory. And I will say from the bumper stickers that we saw, I'm I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not uh, not going there. That might just be a assumption on my part, but I wouldn't put that on a bumper sticker. You could look it up. Um, and this country is huge. You said this, right? Like it is about the same size as the lower 48 states, but the U.S. has a population of. 331.9 million people. Australia has a population of 25.69 million people. Just like, so take that into consideration to understand when we talk about the fact that we're driving and not seeing anything, not passing another car, not seeing a town, not seeing a gas station for hours and hours and hours. It's just this incredibly vast stretches of land that does change very drastically at one moment to the next, which is scary and also beautiful. It was very pleasant and not, it was different than mine, albeit some similarities, but, but different. All right, thank you, thank you. And what would be your final learn for the country of Australia? They said, come to Australia. It's going to be sunny. You can swim everywhere. The beaches are beautiful. That's my general quote. For a country with so many amazing beaches, even if the weather cooperates, you cannot go in the water most of the time. There are stingers. Jellyfish. Jellyfish. Crocs. 
snakes, sharks, rip currents are probably like stingers and rip currents are probably like one and two. Um, so a lot of the time it's just too dangerous to swim in the ocean. If that, if it's not that, it's just too cold for jumping. Or it's too cold. I mean, that's my that's personal, personal thing. thing. That's my own personal thing. But it's so shocking to me because you, I don't know, you see you see adverts, right, for Australia and it's always like beaches and people walking in the sand and swimming and tropical blue water and it is that, but you can't go in the freaking water. Also, this was dumb of me, like you just said, I thought the water would be much warmer. <laughs> like I just thought like, oh... It's like the Caribbean, right? Like, it's like crystal clear, blue turquoise water. It's got to be warm. That's not true at all. I went swimming in Sydney. I think I went swimming in... We definitely went swimming in Cairns because we went diving. And I went swimming in Bustleton. But other than that, like, sure, I went in the water. But I didn't swim outside of, like, those three places because it was too cold or other things, yeah, but I, mean, I will say, yeah. That's true. From from the Instagram posts and from your your description most time in these episodes, swimsuits didn't get a lot of use on this trip. A lot more rain no. jacket and pants. Yeah. Yeah. Which was shocking to us. But again, everyone keeps saying, this is so different. Like, every, this is not a normal summer for us. Blah, blah, blah. Which it totally probably is and could be. And we'll talk about similar storyline here in indonesia in our next episode um but i'm gonna throw another thing in you had another thing i'm gonna throw one more thing in road trains big rigs oh my god so australia again huge country u.s we have a fairly intricate railroad system right which we use a lot for for shipping things coast to coast and in between grains foodstuffs all the things Australia doesn't seem to have much of that. Uh, the West Coast has a little bit of a train line, but there, there's really not a train that goes from coast to coast. So instead of a train, they have road trains, which are literally semi-trucks with two to three trailers on the back of them. So these things are freaking masses. So you're driving up to them. They have a sign on the front of them that says road train. And you know, especially being in a van, to brace yourself because these things will blow you off the road because of the impact from the wind and the speed and momentum that they are going at. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. That will do it for us in episode number 11 of Address Unknown. We have spent the last four months between Australia, New Zealand, then back to Australia. We are now excited to move on to the third country of a trip, Indonesia, where we are now. If you can hear from the crickets and frogs and the jungle life. And the karaoke. More on that next time in episode 12. Bye! Bye.